Hello, and welcome to the Unapologetically Imperfect Podcast. Hi, this is Claire. And this is Keon. And this podcast is for all those mamas out there. Whether you're a working mom, a work-from-home mom, a stay-at-home mom, a single mom, a married mom, all moms. Because sometimes being a mom is the absolute best. And sometimes, girl, it's the absolute worst. This is your midweek mama moment to get you over the hump. We're going to start with a little mama dance party right now. Take a moment just for you to dance like nobody's watching. Remember how good it feels to move your body just for you. Go mamas. Go mamas. Go, go, go mamas. Prove it out. UI mamas, we got to take a quick break and pay some bills. See you soon. Hello, this is Keon and Claire with Unapologetically Imperfect, and we are interviewing a educator today. We are interviewing Dr. Bennett. She has been a educator for an educator for 29 years. Wow. Wow. A master educator right there. Girl, that is. <laughs> woo! Why bow down? <laughs> exactly. Well, Dr. Bennett, we wanted your expertise. All of us mommies right now are in a whole new world, right? Two weeks ago, we would drop our beautiful children off with a lovely lunch or money for lunch. And then we were only responsible for homework. Now, y'all done giving us our children back. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Without any skills or resources, I didn't go to credentialing school. I didn't get an educating degree. I did take child development, but that was a while ago. (laughs) So we're going to just ask you some questions to give us as mamas some guidelines during this very unique time of what we need to do, what we should be doing to just make sure our kids get the best they can possibly get at home. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So from an educational standpoint, um, what is the most important thing our kids should be doing right now? Um, I would say from elementary through high school, what is the most important thing they should be doing? Well, if they're doing absolutely nothing else, they need to be reading. The Mm. big thing is reading, reading, reading. For pleasure, they can have someone read to them. If they're older brothers and sisters, they can read to the kids or have them have read to other people. But reading is going to be your number one priority during this time. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of um, resources out there that, Mm -hmm. you know, that are free right now that people can look at and experience and whatnot. But if you have to pick one thing to do, read daily. Okay, that's helpful. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I even told the kids, I said, I think I'm going to start instituting like a reading hour. Ooh, like that's a good idea, kids. I have to pick up a book and read for an hour. Absolutely. And it could be anything. I mean, some of us get kind of like, you know, wondering like, okay, is it the right level? Is it, you know, appropriate for them? Let them read whatever, the newspaper. Let them read um, magazines, anything that they can do to get language and vocabulary in 
And, and, you know, if you want to do something else that top it off by having a conversation, like, what did you read today? Tell me something about what you read today and let them tell them what you, what they read to you or what they read to their brother or sister or whatnot. But the reading is key because a lot, a lot of kids are not reading at grade level and they're not reading Mm. because they don't have the skills or whatnot. But a lot of times they read because they're not given the opportunity just to sit down and read. I love the idea of having a reading hour where we're just going to drop everything and read. We used to do that in school when I first started teaching. We have a (laughs) drop everything and read time and you could do nothing but read. The teacher would read, the kids would read. And that's kind of been phased out, but it was just a really, it was a nice time for everyone because if you do it in the evening when all the parents and older brothers and sisters are home, yeah, it, it can be a family, a family activity where everyone just reads. And it's and, a quiet hour too. Ooh, and, yes. and you know, and parents, <laughs> that's the bonus right there, Keon. Absolutely, read to yourself. <laughs> and the cool thing about that is when you, as parents, are modeling reading, you are making it important because you know teachers have only so much to work with. We can only make it as exciting as the kids know what's exciting in the first place. So if their parents are readers and their parents love to just pick up books and and they make it a choice like, oh gosh, I think I'll read instead of watching this TV show, kids see, oh wow, reading's important and reading is essential and reading is fun. And those are our kids who are reading well. Those are our kids who are making progress in reading. Those are our kids who are performing well in middle school and high school as they, and whatnot, read. Just and read. I know how you said about um, maybe following up afterwards and asking them what they read about is super important because the reading comprehension, I sit on the school site council, so I get to see um, all those reports and all those scores. And that's something mm. that is usually really low is the reading comprehension. So that makes really good sense to kind of follow up with. Just tell me a little bit about what you read. I like that. Right. Exactly. And it's, and it's fun for them because they realize, okay, well, I know someone's going to ask me about what I read. So first of all, they know in their heads, okay, I'm going to be asked. So I'm going to get something that I read and remembered so I can repeat it and I can share it with someone. And also just kind of gets them into the whole idea of when I read something and what it, it's, it's to gather information, it's to share information, it's to just make sure that, you know, the world knows what's important. And, you know, when we start getting kids to say, okay, what's going on in the reading, then we can segue that into perhaps, you know, opportunities where they're talking about important things and delivering information that they've read or seen or whatnot in a way we're like, okay, this is what's important. Let me talk about what's important. And it starts with just something as simple as, okay, what did the cat and hat do at the house when mother was out? I mean, mm. people think there's no connection to all that, but there's a huge connection. Right. Perfect. So, and then also during this time, like what should parents really like know? Like what are, are like really fundamental things that we as parents now kind of guiding our children more hands-on through education? What are things that we should always be keeping in the back of our mind? Uh, one thing I did was I did a little map activity a couple of days ago because I have, my son is here too. His school is closed as well. And so, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm doing the online instruction with my class and I'm also trying to really make sure that he's getting what's important and what's right. necessary for success in first grade next year. And I, I did some math and I realized that I had to be more realistic about how the day looks. Mm. First of all, 
we're in school from eight to two fifteen. That's our that's our instructional day, and right. so that's six hours and fifteen minutes of, of of our instructional day. So let's do some subtraction. About an hour of that is going to be your recess and lunch. So we're down to five hours and fifteen minutes. Okay. Our another half hour or so is going to be us um, doing the opening activities, the closing activities, the transition activities. Mm -hmm. That's about 30 minutes of our day. You know, let's write our homework down. There's nothing instructional about writing your homework down. There's nothing instructional about picking up the paper on the floor that you put there, but you're going to pick it up. So, <laughs> and, you know, keep it real. <laughs> you know, pick up the floor, please. Thank you. We gotta, we're leaving at 2.15. It's 2.05. You have 10 minutes to make this room look beautiful. And they do, right. and they love it, right? <laughs> so, you know, we're, so as we're taking up time and we're, we're thinking about all the activities that happen during the school day with assemblies and PE and right. art and music and everything else, just general interruptions that just happen as the course of a day of no one's, no one's fault, but definitely there's some times where we have to stop and, you know, address a need that has nothing to do with instruction or whatnot. So... My calculation is that we teach direct instruction or direct activities about two hours and 45 minutes a day. Oh, wow. So, yes, with everything else. Now, everything else is important. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of me being in front of the classroom, talking and delivering instruction, you know, we do a lot of independent work. You know, I'm in fifth grade. Of course, you know, we want to adjust this for, you know, the lower grades in kindergarten. It may be a little bit more or less, but, but you know, but... For the most part, we're not spending the whole six hours and 15 minutes teaching. And I think that is the reality that parents have to have that if you're expecting to teach for six and a half hours a day, your kids are going to go nuts. No, you and so don't are go you. Nuts. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and as a, even as a parent, I had to check myself because I'm like, Sharon, do you really spend the whole six hours and 15 minutes teaching? And the answer mm -hmm. is no. So my expectation, even for my son, has to be that I'm not going to spend six hours and 15 minutes directly teaching him. So breaking it up, breaking up the day is important. That's going to be the right. big thing. I, we figured out, you know, our time on the patio where we paint or we do some Play-Doh. Mm -hmm. We figured out I'm going to turn on the YouTube channel on the TV and find a kid exercise video and do PE and then PE on the, you know, in the, in, um, in the living room because you still have to get it in because we also want to make sure that kids are getting the exercise they need. Right. They're not able to go to all the parks and go into the jumping places and some of those recreational places, but we still need to try to get it in for the kids so that they have that, that hour day of, of movement and whatnot, right. you know, make that part of the day. Um, mixing it up with, you know, if you have computer access, definitely, you know, looking for some things, some games, activities on the computer or whatnot, monitoring, of course, you know, making sure that it's, it's something that's appropriate, but definitely mixing it up, mixing it up, mixing it up. And that is totally okay to do that. And I think that we have to give ourselves permission to be creative in making our day go well. Like what works well during certain times of day for my child? What works better for me certain days, times of day going, you know, for my child? You know, after two o'clock, we're all, we're both done. So, you know, let's take the lesson at two o'clock. No, that's not going to work for anybody. So, right. you're in two with, you know, the fact that you're not going to teach six, six hours and 15 minutes a day. This is not going to happen. 
and being creative as to how you break up the time. That's the most important thing I would say for parents. That's better than any content because you can get content from the websites, you can get content from you know Khan Academy, you can get content just everywhere, but just right. breaking it up so that they are not going nutty buddy in front of you and like every, you're frustrated, they're frustrated, everyone's frustrated. Right. And all you had to do is say, we're gonna spend 15, 20 minutes, especially with little ones, on a one-on-one -on -one activity and then we're going to break it up and do something a little bit more recreational and fun yeah. it's totally okay to do that. unfortunately that as so they helpful. get older we can't institute nap time anymore huh no <laughs> well you know and that in this you know naps are fine too <laughs> i took one yesterday but that's yeah. there you go i had a headache listen and she has a doctor degree so she said naps are good we that's need to institute we all need to have that downtime. I mean, people, you know, even if work any job you have, I mean, jobs where you're working just straight the whole time, uh, you know, not jobs that people want to keep, but everyone has to have that downtime. Yeah. You as a parent get to have that downtime. So kids need to have that downtime. And it's important just to rest a bit. We, we, you know, we send our kids out to recess for a reason because yeah. they just need to yeah Go, run burst energy <laughs> yeah, exactly or just or just think of something as besides you know math or besides oh that book i have to read or that assignment i have to do they can talk with their friends they can play and the sad part about it is they can't talk with their friends right now because yes. you know, they, can't, they can't go out and play as much as they well used to you know they did part. say on the report they said that you can still go outside for a walk you can still so i mean my kids have still been going out front and just kind of shooting baskets yeah, exactly. and you know yeah it's exactly but exactly. they can't go hang out with like i think that's the part they miss is being at school with exactly. all their, right. friends, their friends at yes. pe and at recess and that's really hard and i think you kind of answered like the next question because the next question was what's a reasonable schedule for our kids during this time and i think you oh. answered that like literally okay. two hours and 15 minutes maybe two and a half hours of their time is actually Right, instructional time. So yeah. we need to exactly. keep that in mind and know we can't have them learning for six hours. <laughs> no, you can't. And understand that, but one thing to understand is learning is also very social. So, you know, it has to be a different delivery as well. Like if I'm in my classroom talking about, oh, let's talk about um, Westward Expansion. We're going to really get into this whole, um, you know, you know, Westbrook expansion, we're going to talk about Lewis and Clark, we're going to talk about the Oregon Trail, we're going to talk right. about the Donner Party, all this, I can get up, I can be as animated as I want, kids can laugh, kids can talk, they can giggle amongst themselves. That piece is missing, the, the, mm, the social construct yeah. of learning. And so, Because arguing with your siblings is not No, it's thing. not it. Not no, no, no. the same. I'm just going to make sure I put that little reminder out there to them. Yeah. That's not social but, behavior. But they do need that social. They do need social. And just from working with my son, I, I just, you know, he wants to talk. He's used to his little friends at school. He wants to talk. So, you know, we read a, we read a page and he's like, well, let me tell you what's going on in the page. And I, you know, and, and I have to be, you know, responsive to that because he doesn't have anyone else to talk to about what's going on in those pages of those books or those math problems that we're doing. Yeah. So, Ooh, speaking of math, <laughs> listen. I did not understand Common Core math with the support of a highly educated and qualified teacher. Okay, now you don't send me my child, and all I know how to do is to tell them to carry. And instead, they group in numbers in crazy sections that don't make any sense. Can you help us out, those of us who have children 
who understand math through the language of Common Core, and we are completely illiterate to that language. Well, I, 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 my objective in math for parents is, first of all, the conversation in my classroom is that, you know, Common Core has allowed us to demonstrate mathematical reasoning and understanding in a variety of ways. So we don't throw away the, the baby with the bathwater. Some of the math, in fact, a lot of what we've done in math for decades is still valid. It's still important. It's still, when it comes down to it, like, you know, we do the tape diagram, we do the right. area model, we do all that stuff so that they can transfer that to what? The standard algorithm that we've been doing the entire time. So at this time, we have to provide grace and mercy, teachers and parents alike, grace and mercy to one another. When we send work home with parents, and we're asking them, hey, can you work with your child on this particular assignment? We, as teachers, have to say, we're going to let go <laughs> and let parents be parents and help them in any way that they can help them. Now, if they ask for help, they're like, hey, well, I have a question with this. How do you do this a certain way? Give them those resources, give them, provide them those opportunities and whatnot. But when it comes down to it, we are, want, at least I want, but I can speak for many other teachers, we want this, you know, opportunity, no matter how weird and wonky it is, an opportunity for you to connect with your kids in a mm -hmm. way that perhaps you hadn't in the first place. So telling you what you're doing is wrong is not the right way of, of handling this whole situation. So do you. Do you? Mm. That's, 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 that's my piece of advice. You see one plus four, okay, you, you can tell them it's five. You can put little beans out and show them one plus four. You can do whatever you know is right to get that right answer and to show them those reasoning skills. That's helpful. That's, that is that's so helpful. Because sometimes I was telling Claire that my son bought home some homework the other day that was Common Core and I read the question I read the question again. I read the question again. And I was like, what are they asking? And then I, I literally had to tell him, let's wait till your father comes home. Because my husband seems to be the one that he's like, oh, well, that makes total sense, Common Core. Because that's the way I thought about stuff in school. And I'm like, good for you, because I did not. So that's, that's his arena. I was like, we're going to wait till daddy gets home. And you're going to ask daddy the Common Core question. Absolutely. Right. I ask, you, ask me something about English literature, English language arts all day long. Exactly. Well, that's the beauty of Common Core. Um, for many years, there was one way of doing things and, you know, that was the way. So if you did think differently, if you had like other ways of figuring out things in your head, but oh, that's wrong because you didn't solve it correctly. Mm. Given all of us permission to say, okay, this is how I'm thinking about it. This is how, this is how I, how, how math makes sense to me. So basically, you know, that answer is, that answer is the most important piece to it. That okay. answer is the most important piece to it. And how kids reason, every child is going to reason in a different way. Right. Parents are going to be different. So again, give yourself permission to do what you can to assist your child. And don't worry about it. At this point, you know, we just want you to work with your child. 
Okay. Right. You don't want so I know a lot of my friends and myself too are really nervous about that slide, right? Like we do so much during the summer to make sure our kids stay where they are. Well, now we're talking about five to six mm -hmm. months mm -hmm. that our babies are going to be without traditional instruction. So what, what can we do to make sure that at least we give our babies back to you with the skills that you sent them home <laughs> with? Like, <laughs> well, I, I know, I, I, I just have to believe that when we get those kids next year, like I, I teach fifth grade, so I know that I'm going to get a group of fourth graders who may not have had that two months of direct instruction for the Get past mind. yeah i know <laughs> and, I, and the challenge is going to be just getting getting them caught up to where we need them by the by the time they're ready for sixth grade okay. and understanding that yes this particular group of kids did miss a big chunk of that that instruction um the best thing for in my opinion is definitely the reading part in terms of math um, just math skills, making sure that, you know, they are really on top of things with their multiplication and division facts, that, you know, they are doing various math activities and continuing to do some of the things that, you know, a lot of teachers are sending home and whatnot, and grappling through it, like I said, the best that you can with your child. You know, there's going to be a slide either way, but I, I, I do truly believe that most teachers are going to say, you know what, these kids did not go to school from March to May. So we missed three critical months of school. And we're going to have to be really creative in the classroom to help accommodate kids who might have slipped and slid, slipped and slid. Did I say slipped and slid? Slipped and slid. Slipped and slid. So, you know, I, I just think that parents need to continue doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and just, you know, again, reading the math skills and whatnot. And, um, and you know because that's that at this point that that is kind of where we are in terms of 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 how we can how we can serve kids and how we can help our kids so just keep just skills 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 and schools you know i already am thinking about you know how where am i going to start next year with my particular group of fifth graders mm. so that we can kind of get them caught up or, you know, get uh, accommodate for what they've lost and whatnot so that the end result is still the same as any other grade, time I've taught fifth grade. They're ready for sixth grade. So that, you know, and, and that's going to be a lot of work for all of us when it happens. But in terms of what you do now and through the summer, just skills, 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 and that reading is so key. You know, the libraries, I'm praying that they're opening it by, um, by summertime and they can continue with their reading programs where kids mm. are challenged to read a certain amount of books yeah. and and have those and you can have those discussions with them. I know that um, there are a lot of free resources in math where they can just you know continue working on those skills. Um, math um what's it called? Um, mathdrills.com is a good website for just like basic skills in math and right. it covers math all the way up to um, algebra, algebra two. So okay. that's oh, a good okay. as well, exactly. So there, there are some things that you can do, but I would just make sure that they have those basic skills mastered. And take this time to, you know, we have our multiplication challenge at our school, and a lot of times we have so much other stuff going on that, oh, well, you know, not quite enough time to practice those facts. This is the perfect time to start practicing those facts. Perfect. And so, 
I think one of the last questions we had, which is how are you coping with this transition and how are you staying in contact with your students through all of this? Well, I can't say that this is the easiest thing that I've ever done before. This is tough because, you know, my, my perspective, my, my context is that I get in my car, go to work every day, and I see kids, and we laugh, and we joke, and I see parents, and we talk about concerns, and we work things out, and whatnot, and, you know, so it is hard. I think it's hard for everybody, and it is hard for a lot of the teachers. As I'm talking to my teacher friends, and we're talking on the phone, it, it, is, it is tough, and one of the things that I'm doing is just like I said, I'm, I'm giving myself some grace and mercy. I'm not, mm. you know, I, 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 that teacher who's, who kind of gets all over it. And I'm just like, you know, well, well planned. And I have all these great ideas I want to share with the kids and then get them, getting them excited about learning and whatnot. And the hardest part is that I don't feel like I'm doing that right this minute. But on the flip side, um, I'm using Google Classroom for most of my delivery. Um, and so I'm uploading a lot of worksheets, a lot of um, activities. I'm doing a lot more um, activities or plan, uh, more activities are planned as we go along in terms of like, you know, read this. Like for instance, we had a trip to the Nixon Library today. It was supposed oh, wow. to be today. And, you know, I was excited about taking the kids there because, you know, we're learning about US government. And if Nixon's presidency taught us nothing else, it's about how the US government works in every right. way, shape, or form, it seems. So, you know, I gave them a tour of, a video tour of Nixon Library and some documents and articles about, about of Richard Nixon's presidency. And, you know, I gave them like five or six choices. Like, hey, you can write a paragraph about something that happened during mm -hmm. his presidency. You can give me a PowerPoint using Google Slides or, or PowerPoint. So I gave them a list of like five or six activities they can do. That's and, excellent. That is and excellent. some room to say, hey, you know, if none of these work for you or you can think of something else that I haven't thought of, you know, do that. So giving them that freedom because all, all that's really important is the content. Do, what, do, what did I want them to learn on this field trip? Oh, and I wanted them to learn about the, you know, three branches of government. I wanted them to learn about how bills become a law. I wanted them right. to have, learn about, you know, just, you know, the constitution at work. And so just giving them those activities that make them do a little research, a little thinking, a little, oh, you know, their opinions on things. So, you know, I'm trying not to just give them a bunch of um, drill and kill at this time, but things where they have to kind of really think Critical about thinking. what they're doing, but nothing so much that they're working like, six hours and 15 minutes a day. <laughs> <laughs> so I, don't, I don't want that, but on the flip side, I do want them to do something meaningful. I don't, I want, right. I, I, I want to make sure what I'm delivering is somewhat the same as what I'm doing in the classroom. That's awesome. Well, we would just want to say thank you first for your time, but more importantly, like we as mamas are really realizing how much we love teachers. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so to you and all of your colleagues, thank you for investing so much of your time and energy, even during this time, in loving and caring for our babies and passing on meaningful experiences that are helping us get through this madness where we are locked in our houses with our children. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I love what I do and I, I, know, I don't know too many teachers who are not, who don't love what they do. We, we, mm. You can't go to uh, an elementary school or, or any school and not 
and be an authentic teacher if you don't love what you're doing. And so, you know, to all the teachers, you know, that are working with your kids and whatnot, they, they're, they're, most of them are doing the best they can. Most yeah. of them want to, but most of them want to be with your kids. Yeah. So, and, and that's, that's all there is to that. So I, I thank you for this opportunity just to let me talk about my experiences and I hope that this is going to help someone. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you really so much. appreciate it, Dr. Bennett. And you have a wonderful time with your son. At least you get to spend some extra time with him and I know, do some great so activities sweet. with him. So that's, sometimes I feel like this whole thing is kind of a blessing in disguise because it's yeah. allowing people yes. to slow down and it remember is. what's important. Absolutely. And I'm hoping that most, you know, that, that all my families have realized that, yeah, this, this is a tragedy. This is, this is something that's different. This is something that's kind of more restrictive than we're used to. But, you know, I have appreciated this week being with my son and, and, you know, putting him down for his nap and hanging out with him and going outside when it wasn't raining and, you know, painting and doing all that. So, you know, I hope that parents are, are, are taking advantage of that because, you know, that's been, that's been a nice part about just, you know, just being with him and, and loving on him. That's awesome. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if this episode blessed you in any way, please pick three moms that you know and share this episode with them. We'd love to hear from you and continue the conversation on Instagram at you underscore I underscore M-A-M-A-S. On Facebook at Unapologetically Imperfect on Twitter at you underscore I underscore mamas on YouTube at unapologetically imperfect and on our website at www.unapologeticallyimperfect.net. Have a blessed day, UI mamas. And remember being the best mom is not about being perfect. It's about being perfectly perfectly you. you.